0: Welcome to the first in a series of podcasts from Skipton Bid and Rumbleds Radio. Hello, I'm Stuart Clarkson and this is the Skipton Business Support Podcast. As the lockdown ends and many businesses start to open up again or change their working practices, we've got a series of experts on hand to answer your questions and to provide some help and advice across a range of topics. Now, in this episode, we're focusing on managing emotional well-being in the workplace. And I'm delighted to welcome Corinne Eden from Being Better, a private therapy practice based on Newmarket Street in Skipton. Hello, Corinne. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: So, I mean, there have been lots of people... Getting stressed a bit over the last year, a little bit anxious, and we've got this light at the end of the tunnel now. There's still a lot of uncertainty, um, and we'll go into a, a bit more detail about uh, techniques and coping with stress and things like that. But what are your top tips if somebody's stressed out right now? What what should they be doing?
1: I think this is it's. Uh, it, you're absolutely right. There is a lot of stress about, and I almost think there has to be a kind of acceptance about that and giving yourself permission. That It's actually a response to a very uncertain environment. And I think doing that, it's not about giving in or giving up. It's about kind of having a sense of acceptance so you can do something about it. So I guess the biggest thing I always say to people is get it out there. Express yourself, whether that's from talking, writing, singing, dancing, arts, crafts, whatever medium kind of works for you but it's about not kind of bottling it up and, and ruminating. So that would be the kind of first thing. And, and, and just asking for help and accepting it as well. Letting people know what's going on for you, but don't shoulder it alone, you know? And I think with any kind of workplace stress, you know, it's about having some kind of, almost like, you you know, having some refusal skills in, in place and assertion skills, you know, avoid over committing to kind of please or... You know, and things like that, because it's only going to increase expectations, I guess, and mean more kind of overloading. I'm a big fan of structures and routines as well good sort of habits between home and, and work life, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think that's the strange thing about this pandemic is that it hasn't just been work stress and it hasn't just been mm. home stress. It's been everything combined because people have got so much going on in their lives across work, whether it's, you know, worries about their, their income and their finance and then the health issue as well. So it's it's been a bit strange in that stresses sometimes are just focused on one thing, but this is across somebody's whole life sometimes, perhaps.
1: And I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's the result of everything becoming quite blurred. You know, we don't have the the ordinary routines, perhaps, that we would ordinarily. We don't have the balance of, you know, activities and support from people to balance that stuff out. In addition, we're constantly bombarded by, you know, figures and kind of information about, you know, an ever-changing climate and the virus. Um, and you're right, people are juggling. I think people are, are juggling work for those working from home and managing children and just daily routines. It's all become a bit blurry, which again, I think there almost has to be some structure, even when kind of working from home. You know, it's not always possible to have a designated workspace, but even if it's about you wearing work clothes, Do you know what I mean? So you know that you're in that zone. You know, for me personally, I couldn't think about doing a session wearing my slippers. You know, it's kind of, you know, getting into that zone for, you know, but that work mode, taking breaks, you know, offsetting it with some things that kind of make you feel good that are completely unwork related as well, you know?
0: I probably shouldn't mention I've got my slippers on at this point then. Um (laughs) (laughs) I mean the 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 other thing as well, I suppose, is that the pubs haven't been open, but there will have been people who, because they're working at home and as you say, they haven't got that structure, they don't need to drive anywhere in the morning, perhaps Mm. will have had a little bit more to drink on weeknights over the last year as as a way of coping with everything that's going on and getting out of that and getting back into work in the next few weeks could be quite tricky for people who've been depending on alcohol.
1: Absolutely, because I think there's often a a kind of misguided belief that when your routine changes, so will the habits that have been formed. But I almost think it's more powerful to take control of that rather than it be, you know, thrust upon you. And it is, it's completely understandable. You know, it, you know it, it's kind of happened. But you can kind of take charge by thinking, okay, am I happy with my level of drinking right now? You know, it can be causing some problems. Your motivation might be to go back to work. There might be some kind of health reasons to make some positive changes in terms of reducing you, your drinking as well. I think there's a lot of myths around drinking that it's a, a stress reliever, that it's going to help me sleep. However, any sleep that you're going to get is purely about recovering from your alcohol use. It's not going to be a restful sleep, a sleep that's recharging. But you can put limits around that. You know, you can break those habits and start instituting sort of new routines and being conscious, even down to kind of keeping a drink diary, because you might even not be aware of how much your drinking's increased. And that in itself can be enough to go, oh, I need to put the brakes on. I need to be clear about having you know, weekdays, non-drinking, you know, just for a week and see how you feel. And even three days not drinking, you're going to feel benefit of, of, of not drinking. You're going to feel sharper. You're going to feel, you know, better about yourself.
0: And uh, are there things that employers can do, you know, as people come back to work, if they're noticing certain signs among workers that they could pick on and, and kind of work out what the issue might be and whether it is alcohol?
1: I think it's, a, it's, it's always really tricky because I think, When people are coming back to work, particularly after something like this, they could be displaying behaviours that are not in keeping with how you would usually see somebody, and it might not necessarily be around alcohol. I think with any kind of, you know, whether it's friends or workplace, I think the crucial thing is to come from a place of care and concern rather than criticism, and it's about kind of nurturing a culture where that's the case, that people aren't necessarily singled out, but there's a culture of checking in, whether that's through supervision or wellbeing checks. I, I feel that that's kind of more important, you know, nurturing those relationships so you can have some open and honest discussions and express concern, but it's just got to be handled really sensitively.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, we talked uh, at the start about all the the different things that might be stressing people out, not least financial worries, and that could be for business owners as well as staff who are Mm -hmm. furloughed or people who are self-employed. And it sounds really obvious, but I suppose the simplistic way of looking at it is try and tackle the thing that's causing this stress, Uh, but getting to the root of exactly what is causing your own stress or your staff stress is not always straightforward.
1: No, and and it's about avoiding that kind of reactive response. You know, taking a step back and thinking, you know, and asking people what would help. Do you know what I mean? And asking sort of, you know, thinking it would be best equipped to kind of support in this. You know, what would be the best way forward? A more responsive, measured approach rather than that reactive kind of knee-jerk sort of stuff. There's lots of ways you can, you know, you can support people. But I think the biggest thing is kind of asking them what would be helpful, you you know, rather than immediately going as solutions having a discussion, opening
0: it up. We we talked about, obviously, the, the things that have been weird over the last year, but it could be weird for some people... Going back to normal, even though normal is what we kind of aspire to be at the moment, and uh, uh, we're we're asking for questions on this podcast series. We've had one that's come in uh, from Sally, who says, "I've been on a mixture of furlough and working from home since last March. Um, With the unlocking, it looks like I might have to go back to work uh, with other humans soon, but I'm really anxious about doing that. I've coped fine in my own little bubble, but the thought of being in office with other people." is keeping me awake at night. So actually, it's that stress of going back to normal now that could mm. be a problem for some people.
1: Absolutely. You know, we, we like the idea of connecting with people. We're not lone wolves, we're pack animals. But it's really daunting. You know, there's been a lot of people shielding for a significant proportion of a year. And I think, you know, with this kind of roadmap, it is almost kind of travelling it at your own pace, And in terms of of Sally and and what's kind of worrying her, I'd be interested to know, you know, from her perspective, you know, who might be able to help her in that? Are there things that could be put in place that would reduce the levels of anxiety? Because it is, it's people out there, and that can be quite, you know, nerve-wracking from a kind of threat of infection point of view, but just from kind of that social interaction. The one thing is we may have been kind of under lockdown on and off, you know, for the best part of 12 months, but we've also acquired a lifetime of skills in terms of social integration, and they're not lost because of this last year. But I would encourage you to be talking to people, to colleagues and garnering that support before taking that step, and actually taking steps in the meantime and maybe get used to integrating yourself, you know, whether it's kind of going out a little bit, you know, for a walk initially, you know, taking it just step by step until she feels more comfortable. People may still continue to wear masks long after they're no longer mandatory. It's about doing what's comfortable for you.
0: And I suppose with colleagues being aware that other people are more anxious than you, because, you know, some people might start invading your personal space a bit and some people might not be happy with that. So Mm -hmm. it's not just the people who are stressed, it's the people who are fine with everything that need to be a little bit more cautious when we get back.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's just about communicating and kind of talking to each other and it can be done in a way that it's not accusatory or non-confrontational. A useful technique to use is to begin a sentence with I or it. It would be helpful for me if, rather than get back, don't invade my space. You know, I'm feeling really anxious. It'd be helpful for me if I just kind of sat back from you just now. You know, there's just ways of doing it that don't kind of sound difficult or you know just ways of reframing things
0: and I think I've probably lost some of my social skills by not being face to face with people you know I've met you for the first time today via zoom and Mm -hmm. there's so many people I've met over the last year that I still haven't actually met in real life it's not the same as that kind of shaking somebody's hand and You know, Mm. being in a room with somebody, we've had to adapt to doing these things. But actually, you know, the first time I now meet you in real life, it might be a bit weird. So (laughs) these are all new experiences (laughs) for us because we've met people on technology that we might kind of then be uneasy about meeting in real life.
1: Absolutely. It's really counterintuitive, even just, you know, and the fact that you're far more kind of focused and concentrated, you know, when you're talking to somebody via technology, then perhaps you'd... perhaps be ordinarily a bit more relaxed if you were face to face as well it is it's all these are massively new experiences but actually you know there's often some good to come out of it as well because we probably have reached people that we would never come into contact with in daily life or face to face just purely because of geography there's always kind of some good stuff as well even in the darkest circumstances
0: You're listening to the Skipton Business Support Podcast from Rumbles Radio and Skipton Bid. Uh, Corin Yeadon is with us from Being Better in Skipton. I wanted to ask you where, where the line is, I suppose, between just being a bit stressed about everything that's going on and being anxious and clinical depression and actually needing some serious intervention from medical professionals. How could people pick up on that among friends or colleagues or or employees?
1: I guess I'm always really wary about kind of talking about specific lines um, because we're all individuals and although there might be similarities in symptoms, we're all different. And so I guess in terms of sort of friends and family, my concerns would be about somebody, you know, their daily functioning being different or complete isolation And I think that would be the time to step in. And I'm always an advocate of if if you have concerns, you know, whether you are feeling a bit low or clinically depressed, it's about seeking, you know, that medical kind of intervention, talking to a GP. You know, I would never want to get into diagnosing what that point might be. I think it's an individual process and, and and. and it can't hurt to have a call with a GP and just check in about how you're feeling.
0: I guess as an employer, you 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 know, there are ways that people could spot mm. that things are getting worse, whether it's being late for work consistently or having long periods of absence mm. and that kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. And that comes back to that care and concern rather than criticism. Because I think, I think if you're feeling low and you feel that you're not perhaps performing to the best of your usual ability, You can be very, very quickly or easily, whether you're feeling low, whether your drinking's crept up, feel that you're being criticised or attacked. So it's about how that's managed and not feeling singled out as you're not being good enough or, you know, doing something wrong. It's coming from a a place of support and care rather than uh, criticism or punishment, I guess.
0: And I suppose a lot of small businesses probably don't have the kind of health and well-being policies that larger employers might have and now is perhaps the time mm. to start thinking about that as people come back and not only from a, a health as in medical pandemic kind of uh, point of view but that provision of support and well-being for for staff and being more understanding it's the new thing for this year really
1: I think there's always kind of fears that this is going to be a costly thing but in a small business you're more likely to pick up on somebody not being Okay, you're more likely to be able to have those more kind of informal discussions rather than it being of a formal nature or a a welfare check or anything like that. But there are ways to do things to make your environment where that's likely to happen. Those conversations are likely to happen as well. You don't need a a, a massive kind of, you know, human resources department or occupational health behind you. There, There are things that can be done to create that environment and that kind of open and honest checking in and 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 asking staff what would be helpful to them what could improve you know the workspace the environment you know, performance, everything.
0: Here's another question we've had uh, sent in. Uh, if you've got any questions for our future episodes, you can uh, submit them via rombaltradio.com, by the way. Uh, Mark is an employer. Uh, he says he's done his best to try and keep up social contact between his small team during the pandemic, uh, where everybody's been working remotely. But he says there's a couple of staff who don't seem to join in with Zoom quizzes and the out of work things that they've tried to organise. Uh, it's really difficult to check in on those colleagues and to include them without being an annoying boss, says Mark. Uh, Any suggestions on kind of checking in with those who perhaps don't want to engage in some of the kind of team activities?
1: That's always going to be the case in any work environment, whether it's online or in person. Not everybody's going to choose to do that. We don't know about people's own situations, what other commitments they may have, you know, a reluctance to engage in, you know, kind of social activities might not be an indicator of something going wrong. You know, there might be a reluctance to do that just purely from a point of view of people are spending all day in front of Zoom. We know that it's far more tiring than face-to-face. And I guess it's about, I think it's okay to check in on people as long as you're checking in on everybody rather than doing that singling out because you don't want it to feel that it's a mandatory thing. You know, that there's going to be you know, kind of things thought about you if you don't engage in a Zoom quiz. You know, it's just about checking in and asking how things are going and just doing that from a, a, just a basic point of view, really.
0: Yeah, I suppose asking yeah. somebody how they are, you know, while you're making a cup of tea in the kitchen area or in the car yes. park is quite easy. But when you've actually got to arrange a time to connect on Zoom with somebody, it seems more formal, doesn't it, I suppose?
1: It does, it does. And I guess that's that allows for getting things in place, where it's a standard you know if you're checking in as a standard practice for everybody you know for example you know i've kind of checked in with a therapist friend of mine you know at the same time the same day every week you know and we've kind of done that just to kind of offer that support given the kind of work we do as well and it's been absolutely invaluable and it's more likely to happen if it's set in stone you know if you know that a, 12 o'clock on Friday, you're going to have an half an hour check-in with your manager or supervisor. It's there.
0: I want to ask you about um, motivation, says me in my hoodie who hasn't shaved for days and is wearing my slippers, but um, there's a lot of people <laughs> haven't had to make that effort to get dressed smartly for work and go into the office, as we said, and uh, when things mm-hmm. go back to normal after so long, it could be tricky. How how do you think people can be motivated, whether that's being motivated by other people or some self-motivation?
1: I always kind of, you know, the words sort of self-care are, are bandied around a lot, and I think they they fall in a, on a very simplistic level. There's kind of five elements, really, that you can kind of focus on. One is your mind, keeping your mind stimulated, whether that's through, you know, writing, puzzles, games, you know, something like that. Your body, of course, what you put into it, whether you exercise, whether it is about getting a shave or, you know, (laughs) putting makeup on or, you know, whatever, whatever. The spiritual as well. And that needn't be about kind of conventional religion. That could be about yoga or mindfulness or gardening, you know, connecting with the kind of earth and stuff. There's the emotional things, you know, to nurture your emotional health. And that's, you know, again, about kind of that can be through journaling, you know, reflective diaries and things. And of course, the social. And while social ordinarily is face to face, you know, now we're finding our our kind of social lives been a walk from afar or you know a zoom or a telephone call or I've recently started writing letters because I just think they're (laughs) a nice thing to do and a nice thing to receive so it's about honoring those five really you kind of mind your body your spirit your emotions and your social sort of you know ticking those boxes and and putting that in place and it can be small things initially just to kind of tick your five a day
0: The pandemic has made us all perhaps take a bit of stock and evaluate our lives and our careers and what we're doing because people have had a bit more time at home. There's a danger that people might make some decisions that they then come to regret. But it's a time where you have got that breathing space to think about things, but you need to be careful about saying, right, I'm going to pack that in, I'm going to do something else, I'm going to cut off that family member or whatever. We need to just be mindful of making decisions isn't necessarily Good thing to do quickly. I
1: completely agree. And I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of people doing that self evaluation about how they're going to be different as people, what they're going to do differently. And it's fine. I think it's fine to kind of uh, maybe list intentions of what you would like your life to look like. But again, it is about we're living in incredibly uncertain times at the moment. And I think it's so important to make measured responsive rather than reactive decisions a list of intentions is a form of planning and preparation it's about taking your time you know doing your homework doing your research and really considering about what you're doing rather than taking action you know it's about having a measured response really you know and looking at it from that point of view rather than like you say, that kind of reactive. I'm packing this in. I'm cutting you out of my life. It's almost delaying, but preparation.
0: And talking about changed. those, whether it's a whether it's with a partner or a family member mm. or a friend or or somebody you've never met, like a life coach or whatever.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And looking at that kind of viability, because I, I just don't. I think at this moment in time, I would certainly be encouraging people to be very careful in the decision making. Because there's so much that is unknown, I think, just now. And it's almost like waiting for that dust to settle before transferring thoughts and plans into action.
0: And if somebody decides that some therapy or some coaching is something that they think might help them or somebody who works with them, what steps should they take? Um, And obviously, the work that you guys do you presumably do some evaluation first and you know as you say look at a measured approach to to dealing with whatever the issues are that are raised.
1: Yeah, I think if somebody's considering you know engaging in any kind of therapy it's about doing your own work it's there's a raft of of people you know out there that have got varying kind of skill bases and knowledge bases and it's about doing your research and looking seeing you know who kind of looks to be a a good fit you know have a conversation first because it's so important that you gel with somebody as well and you feel comfortable with them um it's a big step and not one to be taken lightly particularly if you've reached that point where you think yep I'm ready I'm ready for some change and you know it's something I feel quite strongly about you know so yeah do your research first do your research and talk to people ask questions
0: well, it's been lovely to talk to you. I feel like I've had a free therapy session here and that hopefully some of our <laughs> listeners have, have got some tips and advice out of this that that will help them going forward. Um, if you want to find out more about Corinne and uh, business partner David's work, you can find out about them at beingbetter.org.uk. You can give them a call on oh seven four eight three one three two double five two, 132 552 or drop them an email hello at uk. whether that's for you or a colleague or a... Uh, a member of your staff or whatever. So um, there's lots of help and support, as you say, out there, Corin. And um, hopefully, in Skipton, you can provide some some of that to people who've heard this and want some more more help. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And this was a podcast from Skipton Bid and Rumble Radio. Future episodes will cover topics including HR issues, managing finance, marketing, and business reinvention. You can submit a question at rumbleradio.com and we'll put it to the relevant experts on a future edition.